today on City Cash Chicago. For months, some candidates in the midterm have been attacking the Safety Act in Illinois hard. That law includes multiple components, but one that's been getting a lot of attention is the Pretrial Fairness Act. It aims to keep fewer people in jail before they've even had a trial, but opponents of the law are falsely claiming it'll send us all into chaos. Gary and Gatewood runs the Illinois Justice Project, one of the many organizations that help craft the Safety Act. Gary is here to give us the facts. It's Tuesday, October 25th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Gary, and welcome to CityCast Chicago. Thank you so much for having me, man. Really excited to be here for this conversation. So let's focus first on the end of Money Bond, set to start in January. Uh, what are we talking about when we say cash bail, Gary? Thank you for the question, and I'm glad you're helping stop the spread of misinformation. So when we're talking about cash bill, currently we live in a system here in Illinois that's a wealth-based system. So people who have the means can buy their way out of jail. People who have access to resources can buy their way out of jail. What the ending of cash bail in the Pretrial Fairness Act does is it creates a system where it's not wealth-based. It's based on the dangerousness of that person. It creates more discretion for judges to have a more flushed out thorough hearing to determine whether or not they should be set free from jail. Our goal in creating this was to lower the jail population, especially for those in the black and brown community who've been accused of some of the smaller offenses that make up a lot of the jail population now. And that's what we set out to do with this when we started this work over five years ago. And when you say buy your way out of jail, you're not necessarily talking about people who are convicted, you know, serving time, just paying their way out. You're, you're speaking more to when you're accused of a crime right now, a judge can set a dollar amount allowing you to get out of jail before trial. And if you got the money, like you said, you can buy your way out of, uh, out, out of Cook County, basically. That is absolutely correct. They can set the bond and you can buy your way out, regardless of what you've been charged with. Now, obviously, there are some instances where folks are held no bond or the bond is high enough where they feel like people may not have the means, but a lot of folks do. Opponents are trying to push this, this very false idea that ending cash bail means no one is being held pre-trial, right? Let's fact check that. Will judges still be able to hold people accused of crimes in jail? Not only will they still be able to hold folks, but they will have more discretion to do that. So yes, yes, they'll be able to hold folks. Now, now what factors are they now using to determine who stays in and who doesn't because judges' discretion has also helped build a system built off of the backs of brown and black folks. You are 100% correct in that. What we have now is we have systems where too many people can be held. Now, there are, there's always a way to be detained. There's literally always a way to be detained, especially on a second look from the judge. But it is moving at a factory pace now. And this is how you end up with jail populations across the state that are so massively large, obviously including Cook counties. You know, how will these changes really help people? I saw a presentation the other day that gave an overview of how much money is actually being taken out of communities from the cash bail system right now. The data said that over $80 million is being taken out of Cook County communities alone. So we can start right there from the financial impact. When we talk about public safety for all, there's an economic argument to that. So if you're constantly taking resources out of communities, what are you expecting to see, 
right? We've seen purposeful disinvestment and we know those resources are still coming out of those communities. We've also seen system impacted folks lead these conversations, which is something I think that's very important to us because there's no better expert on the inner workings of the court system than people who have actually been through the court system. So having them come and lead a lot of these discussions and the implementation rooms has been impactful from my perspective. Can you speak to one of those individuals, you know, a time where an outcome in a case in one of their cases would have been different if they didn't have to deal with the the cash bond system? There was an individual who could not pay a $1,500 bond and spent almost a year in jail. Um, Now, you're spending that much time in jail, incarcerated away from your family, and you have to make a decision at some point. Right? I don't have the resources. I'm not going to be able to get the resources. And I need to make a decision between sitting in jail for longer or taking a plea deal. In some instances, to copping a plea for something that they didn't uh, actually do. So you had to make a choice between sitting in Cook County Jail continuously or any of the county jails and making that decision. So that's a decision that a lot, a lot of folks are faced with. Our hope in eliminating that money portion of it is you remove that barrier where people have to come up with those resources. And the idea is, and we don't expect this to be instantly working and ending racism overnight. Let me, yeah, because it certainly won't do that. But one piece that's going to continue to be important is the implementation work of it and the changes that will go on after the pretrial fairness act goes in effect on January 1. So people's lives have been changed drastically by not having the resources. We're trying to eliminate that and offer supports that are offer wraparound supports where it needed to get them back to their communities, man. Mm-hmm. Is the idea ending money bond a new thing? Like how long have people been working on this in Illinois? So in Illinois alone, the, uh, the coalition in money bond has been working on this for over five years. So this is not a new, this is not a new um a new idea is not a new piece of legislation. It's not a new piece of policy. The Coalition in Money Bond has over 100 members statewide. So this is not something that just happened overnight. Right here in Cook County, we put together an implementation work group that had all of the key stakeholders of Cook County. I mean, the Office of the Chief Judge, uh, the Cook County State's Attorney, the Cook County Public Defender, probation, law enforcement, you name it. Everybody's come to the table to map out a plan for how this will work. You know, we've often heard a lot of conversations around, oh, what about the victims? What about survivors? Well, I'll tell you, the advocacy community here who worked on the Pretrial Fairness Act pulled in the gender-based violence community, crime survivors community, domestic, anti-domestic violence community, and they helped us draft the Pretrial Fairness Act. So it was no longer saying, oh, what about victims? What about victims? No, we brought them to the table and they have their own voice and they're leading a lot of these discussions. This is something folks have been working towards and building towards for years. As we said, the Safety Act isn't just ending cash bail. Parts of it have been in place for almost two years already, including changes to how law enforcement interacts with the public, such as more body cams, being required to render medical aid, and ending chokeholds. The Safety Act also covers sentencing once someone is convicted, allowing judges to deviate from mandatory minimums, among other changes. We'll be right back. How does this law 
hold judges more accountable to utilize discretion in a way that doesn't reinforce the same type of racism that, that we've seen throughout, you know, uh, the criminal legal system, as you say. Yeah. So they're going to have to make decisions. And those decisions, a lot of them are going to come down to them. And I tell you, you know, one of the conversations we had, and I think this is a conversation that's going to continue, is we haven't had a system that's not built on race before. All right. Because if you look at you look at some of these counties, like you look at Cook County Jail, I think the population of Cook County Jail is over 70 percent black. Right. And you look at a lot of our other counties around the state, you see some of the same things over and over again. You look in some of the counties downstate where they may have a 14 percent black population, but over 60 percent black population in the jail. So we currently don't have a risk assessment tool or a measuring tool that can eradicate racism in the system. So we have to hold folks accountable. We have to give more transparency in the course, more transparency in the actions that happen. And we have to know and raise our voices as advocates in unison to let folks know, hey, we're watching this. We see these disparities. What are we actually going to do about it? We're not just going to blame it on the police. We're not just going to blame it on the state's attorneys. We're going to blame it on the entire culture. What are we going to do to fix this? Let's work together in unison on it. I mean, the Safety Act was passed last year, and the disinformation campaign that's picking up now seems worse than when this was moving through um, the, the state house. Like, why now? Oh, next month, I think there's something big happening in the state of Illinois in November. They I'm, I'm, I'm on. completely lost. Oh, yeah. Why? yeah, I don't know. <laughs> if you're familiar with the election coming up ah, here next ah, month, you know, God, good, that, good point. Things. Double G. You know, <laughs> let me go back to the misinformation about the Safety Act overall. When folks say, oh, the Safety Act was passed in the middle of the night, there were over 30 hearings held about the Safety Act. These are issues that have had public hearings. These are issues that have working groups. These are issues that had law enforcement, states, attorneys, public defenders, victims, advocates, survivors of crime, all at the table together working through these things. The misinformation that we've seen now is at an all-time high. You know, I have folks reach out to me saying, what are y'all doing in Illinois with this purge law from Mississippi? Because I'm originally from Mississippi. And I'm like, what are you talking about? If you know me, well, a purge law. Sit down and think about what sense that actually makes. But I saw this meme and the hashtags on this meme, my brother, were black love, black beauty, black businesses, support black couples. And I'm like, wait a minute, why are we targeting these communities in particular with the spread of this misinformation? And at the same time that that was happening on social media, you saw a slew of fake newspapers going all throughout the state of Illinois with lies. I'm not, I can't even say misinformation, just straight up lies being spread around. So the approach that was taken in an election season was we're going to hit social media, we're going to hit traditional media, and then we're going to get on TV as well. Yeah, the the, the right-wing talking points are are working at all levels. And it, it feels like because Democrats... Um, in many ways, uh, kind of run Illinois up and down, and but it, so it seems like they're doubling down on the misinformation through social media, uh, through the fake newspaper. It's almost like you know we're not going to win the, the the legislative battle, but if we can win the the conversation, the the public opinion, I mean, what real world impact does this messaging have? You know, oh man, messaging controls narrative and narrative controls influence, especially when you're this close to the election. Because what we learned and what I saw going through the Safety Act uh, negotiations is there was a unified voice in opposition. 
the advocacy community may have six different voices and we're working towards the same goal, but we're not doing it in unison. You heard from law enforcement, they said, we weren't at the table and this won't keep you safe. They stuck with those talking points. So we've done a concerted effort in my organization to pull together community partners, advocates, abolitionists, you name it. We're trying to bring folks together under the same roof to figure out how we work together and how we get a unified voice. And we may not agree on everything. I'm certainly not saying that we do, but we do need a unified voice to be able to have our own narrative and control the narrative and push back on a lot of the things that we've seen. I mean, without that unified voice, are there chances that the law could actually be walked back, that cash bond could uh, could be something that is reconsidered? I think every single day we wake up, there is a chance of things being walked back. Right? You have to think about there are, we have a lot of supporters in the General Assembly and we're thankful for them, but every single day we wake up, there is a chance of things being pushed back, rolled back. What else can people do to to, to keep people well-informed? So a couple of things. Uh, I think you can share information that's from verified sources. Uh, the Coalition of Money Bond has shared a lot of resources around fact and fiction uh, around the Safety Act. I also think it's very important that all of your listeners and all of their listeners and all of their friends reach out to their public officials. Ask them questions, right? Because these folks work for us. They're down here making decisions that will impact us in the city, in the county, and in the state every single day. So reach out to your elected official, ask them questions, and if they don't know, have them go and find out for you. There are talking points that they'll use, but I think if you push them and you say, okay, well, I need to know specifically, and have town halls, invite these folks to come to community events. I mean, I know elected officials who will go to an event with two people just to talk about, here are the issues that we're working through. You put them in office. So it's their job to represent you. So ask those questions. Push past those talking points. Gary Gaywood is the executive director of the Illinois Justice Project. I appreciate you stopping by City Cash Chicago today. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Jacoby. This was wonderful, man. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. The City Colleges of Chicago Faculty and Staff Union could go on strike next week. Yeah, they've been at the bargaining table for over a year with one major point of contention being the current remote work proposals. We've got one week left to offer public comment on the city's We Will Chicago. It's a citywide comprehensive plan to build more equitable neighborhoods and covers housing, public health, arts and culture, and five other key pillars. To read and comment, check the show notes. With nearly 4,000 migrants from Texas now in Chicago and the cold weather on the horizon, head over to our daily newsletter, Hey Chicago, for ways you can help now. There's some good news to get you through. There is just a week left in the Halloween season. You can listen to some spooky stories with me this Friday night at the University of Chicago or hear some children's campfire stories Saturday morning at the NEIU Southside Campus. As always, we appreciate you for listening. I'm going to talk to you tomorrow. Peace.